Well, this, uh, this morning, uh, just to kind of kickstart our time uh, together as we are looking at this passage in Matthew chapter 6 and the whole subject uh, of um, anxiety and things like that, uh, I encourage people to turn to their neighbour and to say, no worries, in an Australian accent. And it went down so well, I thought, why should Sunday morning have all the fun? So, after three, turn to your neighbour and say, no worries, in an Australian accent. One, two, three... Maybe that's something to keep for Sunday mornings then, I think. Yes, okay. Right, so we're looking at this subject, Bridge Over Troubled Waters of Anxiety. Bridge Over Troubled Waters being our theme, our teaching theme uh, for the next couple of months or so. And we've looked at temptation, we've looked at misunderstanding, and now we've got the issue of anxiety. I wonder if you uh, were aware of the church uh, notice board that had on the outside of it these words, don't let worry kill you, let the church help. <laughs> we can be a bit insensitive with how we word things sometimes as churches, can't we? Ours though is supposed to be, is it not, an anxiety-free generation. We have more gimmicks and gadgets than any other generation before us to make our lives worry-free, to be easy. Machines that can be doing almost anything, computers, iPhones that can give us 24-hour-a-day contact with anyone else in the world. I can remember one uh, Sunday speaking here on the Sunday morning and somebody from America Sunday afternoon saying, great sermon this morning. They happened to have already listened to it online because this man uh, before us had already sorted that online. How can that happen? That incredible sense of communication. Uh, My daughter lives uh, out in Australia, in Sydney, and it's just bizarre to think that at no cost we can have this conversation uh, on uh, WhatsApp together and we can have FaceTime uh, conversation together. Incredible what we can now do. Despite all those amazing technological advances that are designed to make our lives anxiety free, we are probably the most worried generation the world has ever seen. Certainly in this country. Certainly if you look at the huge numbers of people that have to take time off uh, with sickness or anxiety related uh, stuff, it's really quite phenomenal, isn't it? And it's into that context that then Jesus is speaking. Now, whilst we're looking at the subject of anxiety, as I made clear uh, this morning, anxiety, stress, worry, those type of things that, that are big in the, in the whole world of a sickness, I'm not here as a medical expert to unpack the medical response to that. That's something that people need to seek help from their doctors with. I've read some bits and pieces about anxiety, but I want to stick to the context with which Jesus spoke, which is why Chris actually read verse 24 before you would have had the passage probably in your Bible labelled, do not worry, from verse 25 onwards. But the context there is about uh, the day-to-day about no one can serve two masters. Either they'll hate one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about 
your life. So what is anxiety in that day-to-day sense? Uh, We meet every Saturday morning uh, for what we call cafe church. Around the tables uh, with coffee and a pastry from Lidl's uh, where you get this bargain for the more that you buy. It's great. And the fewer there are, the more pastries there are for me, which is also great. And one of the things that we were, we were thinking about was just that word. What does that mean for us when we think about being anxious? <clears throat> and this is a variety of the things that came up yesterday morning. Self-doubt, fretting, fear of the unknown, a sense of powerlessness to bring about change, not feeling in control. Anybody feel any of those things? Yeah? Yeah? And then the rest may be a little bit too anxious about putting up your hand. That's okay. The Greek word for worry means to be divided and distracted. Jesus says we shouldn't be anxious about our physical lives, the basics of what we eat, drink, or what we wear, or about our body. It's exactly the same word that he uses in that conversation that he has with Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10, verse 41, where in reference to Martha, Jesus says, you are anxious and troubled about many things. I've had numerous women over the years that have said, oh, I'm a, Ma- I'm, a, I'm a Martha, I'm a Martha. I've never had any women say, I'm a Mary. Not one. Not one. That sense, maybe we can allude to. I've got to be careful because uh, uh, I don't want to get kind of like stoned or anything. But that sense of, of, of mission to, I, I'm worried about stuff. I get anxious about stuff. One mum said to me, I think this whole thing of worry is part of the job description of what it means to be a mother. Don't stone me. That was a quote of a mum. But we all have those, that sense of day-to-day concerns that if we're not careful, we can big up out of all control. And Jesus just says, don't worry. Three times in this passage, he says, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. So by the third time, even I can get it. The message is what? Oh, brilliant, brilliant. We're all there. Don't worry. And yet very often we tend to do exactly the opposite. Well, that's fine for you to say, but life is tough right now can be our response. Johnny shared some really tough things, didn't he, as he shared his story. We could each go round and talk maybe about some of it. We're not going to do this, so you don't need to worry about that either. We could share some of the things that have been really tough for us. And it almost sounds quite trite and trivial to then have someone, how dare they, say, oh, don't worry about it. And yet, the person who says these words is the Lord Jesus Christ. So he has every right to speak the words that we need to hear. He's not saying, don't be concerned about things. He's saying, look, in terms of the secondary bits and pieces... Don't worry about it. Don't worry. In terms of uh, concern, there's a difference, isn't there, between being anxious and having a concern. We were thinking about that and chatting about that again yesterday as well. And we kind of like arrived at the, uh, the conclusion, I think, that worries and anxieties that Jesus was speaking about here were really of a negative root and of a negative impact upon ourselves. 
But in terms of those things that we can be concerned about, surely it's right for us to be concerned uh, for, uh, about a child who is suffering uh, from an illness. Or concerned about a family member who has maybe a big operation coming. Or maybe a relationship between two people that isn't right. Or maybe people in our own family that don't yet know Jesus as Lord and they're getting on in years. Isn't that a right positive concern? Of course it is. Because it prompts us to do something. Whether that's to pray more or seek an opportunity to put things right, whatever it is. They indicate that we're engaged with the world. They compel us to pray, pushing us out of our complacency into action. Concern can be a very godly thing. Jesus had a concern left, right and centre, didn't he? And then went on to do something about it. He was never anxious about it. It was never rooted in anything negative. But the way Jesus uses uh, these words in the Sermon of the Mount refers to us worrying. And bottom line is, he says, actually, that's wrong. What about things then back in the day? Things weren't necessarily any easier, of course, in Jesus' day. There weren't any shopping centres where you could just go and get whatever you wanted. Food, well, you either had to farm it or trek to the marketplace and hope that what you needed was available. Water was a great concern in that semi-arid part of the world. Clothing, well, for the most part, you had to make it. That was difficult as well. Most lived to survive. In the burning summer, the streams dried up. That was another concern. The water supply was, every summer, minimal. To the poorer people, an annual change of clothing was by no means guaranteed. And when winter came, it could be freezing cold. And it could snow, even in Jerusalem. They had no cars. How on earth did they survive without cars? No schools. No paracetamol when you had a headache. No NHS. No electricity. No Emmerdale. None of these. How did they survive? And yet we probably have a lot more anxiety and worry than they did back then. Something has gone decidedly out of kilter, hasn't it? Wanting the necessities of life uh, is okay and that's normal. But Jesus is, I think, saying, look, just don't worry about it. And if you have been, well, there's a point Then maybe we need to look in the mirror and say, God, I'm sorry that I've just not trusted you in that. I confess that to you. Help me give my anxieties that are ungodly, unhealthy to you. We shouldn't be anxious. Why? Because we've got a heavenly father who does care for us. Verse 26, uh, we see there Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away things in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are they not much, are you not much more valuable than they. Well, I was interested to read uh, something about uh, a birds. Palestine being full of birds. Imagine uh, a, a flock just flying over, just as Jesus would have said uh, those words. One writer by the name of Parmeni has written a book called All the Birds 
of the Bible. I'm not going to read the entire book, but I'll read a portion of it. He calls Galilee the crossroads of bird migration. When, per- when birds across Europe migrate south, as they do every year for the winter, he says they all fly through Israel, and that's even true today. Most Israeli pilots, uh, more sorry, more Israeli pilots have been killed by birds coming through the cockpit of their jets than by the enemies of Israel. There are special rules for coming and going from the Benjurian airport at Tel Aviv because of bird migration, because they can get caught in the engines of large aeroplanes. So the Israelis have literally flown with the birds, and they know their migrating patterns. They migrate through Israel because west is water, and there is no food flying across the Mediterranean, and they can't go east because it's barren desert. There's nothing there. Israel is fertile, and they can land now and then for supplies. So, he cites, perhaps Jesus looks up at this moment and sees a flock of birds, and then says, look, they don't sow, they don't reap. In fact, they just fly around and pick up the seed you sow. They don't gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? There's no anxiety in their lives. Birds don't suffer from stomach ulcers. There's no attempt to pile up goods. You don't see them flying with a little briefcase full of extra food in case they need it. Maybe a a, a helpful picture for us to realise afresh that actually they're quite chilled as opposed to the way we can be. I have to say, I was doing some gardening a few days ago uh, on my day off. How about that? I deserve a medal. Gardening happens at our household three times a year. And uh, this was one of those uh, one of those days. And in clearing out some of the ivy and the rubbish and the weeds, suddenly there was scurrying around. I'm not very good then suddenly thinking, oh, no. So took a, a, a step back. But we discovered... Uh, a family of three hedgehogs. And, oh, yes, yes. Somebody give Dave a hanky. Here you go, Dave. It's all a bit emotional. So a mummy hedgehog, a daddy hedgehog, and a cute little hoglet there. And I thought, what are they doing in that pile of rubbish? But I tell you what, they look so much more relaxed than me. Stressing about getting the garden done. And I don't know where they were getting the water. I don't know where, where they were getting their food. And there's something here that Jesus is wanting us to get a right perspective, isn't he? Anxiety is unreasonable. It's also unproductive. He says in verse 27, Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? In fact, we know that if anything, worrying can have a shortening impact on our lives. Dr. Kenneth Greenspan, director of the Centre for Stress and Pain-Related Disorders, says these words, stress now contributes to 90% of all diseases. Half of all visits to doctors are stress-related. One doctor said worry affects the circulation, the heart, the glands, the entire nervous system. I have never known a man or woman to die of overwork, but many who have indeed died of anxiety. What a travesty for our world and our culture, isn't it? 
How long do you want to live for? I know the answer for Jean because she's told me. Ah, now that's got you curious, isn't it? Just at the right time. Not too early, not too late, was Jean's response. And we had a little chuckle about her saying that. But actually, what is the right time? Are we so anxious about keeping our lives going as if there is no eternal life beyond the here and now? What did Paul say? Wasn't it for me to live is Christ and to die is so much worse? No, what did he say? To die is gain. Gain strikes me as being better than what he said was in the here and now. Is that right? Wow. I can't lengthen my life, but I can shorten it by sin and by one of those being maybe worry. Worrying is stewing without doing. It's unreasonable, unproductive. And then in verse 28, in the context of clothing, Jesus says, just look at the lilies of the field. Look at how pretty and how colourful they are. Those flowers are indisputable evidence that God knows how to take care of his creation. Take the finest fabric that Solomon ever wore, look at it under a microscope, and it is sackcloth. Take a flower and submit its garment to the microscope, and the delicate velvet reveals the exquisite weaving of God. Almost everywhere you go in the world, you'll see birds and flowers. Let them remind you of how much God cares for you. Probably one of the only places you won't get to see flowers is in my garden. (laughs) But maybe now I've done the weeding, that might change. You never know. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 25 says, An anxious heart weighs a person down. There's common sense through the book of Proverbs, isn't there? And ourselves as God's people ought to be saying, God, would you speak words into my, night, uh, into my life, not so that I'm done and dusted when I've done a service, but so that what I've heard has an impact on what I choose to do as a result of that. Isn't that one of the reasons we have God's word? Not just to know what Jesus said back there, and wow, didn't he have great wisdom. This is God's living word. May it be that his word impacts us in what we do with those day-to-day cares and stresses and worries that can, if we're not careful, just overwhelm us and swamp us. Verse 32, Jesus says, it's all of that kind of stuff is what the pagans eagerly seek. Worry belongs to people who don't have God as their father. But for those of us who claim to have God as our father, to live as a worrier is in conflict with what Jesus is saying. We need to take that on board, don't we? As well as his words uh, to us that go on in verse 32 that, that that says to us, Your heavenly father knows that you need all those things. So often we can get impatient with God and we bang a drum about what we need, but it's probably what we want, maybe more than we need. I was having a conversation um, with somebody a few weeks ago and they are desperate for a partner in life. A single parent, 
number of children, desperate for a partner. In their eyes, that's what they need. And we can understand that to a degree. Can't fully unless we're in the shoes of what it means to be a single parent with a number of children. But bottom line is it's probably what they want. And they feel that's what they want right now. But it may well be there's some other stuff that needs to be done and dusted and sorted first. So that they're in that place for God to give them maybe what they need. Worry assumes that God doesn't know, doesn't care, or doesn't have the resources. All that he does know and does care, does have the resources, but just hates you. That can't be right, can it? Sometimes, we have to be honest, our worry is rooted in a lack of trust in what God has actually said in his word. I've got to be one of those to confess that. Parts of me has felt pretty uncomfortable piecing this together this week. Especially for this morning. Because every Sunday morning, I've got people that, that I chat to on the door. Hi, how you doing? And one of my standard replies is, better in a couple of hours. I've probably even said that to you. Why? Because my, my stomach is something else on a Sunday morning. I've always had that since I've been doing what I've been doing. And I'm thinking, is this some reckless sin that I need to deal with? I'm unsure. It's certainly been one of those things over the years that's thrown me back on God. Because without that kind of angst within for me, I now think, well, I'm all right. I can do this in my own strength. (laughs) Not when you've got guts like I've got on a Sunday morning. But what a challenge when we're then needing to look and explore together what Jesus says to us about our own anxiety and worry. I'd much rather be sat where you are than stood where I am. Because I maybe need to hear this as well. We shouldn't be anxious about our future, should we? Jesus recognises that people get anxious about the future, but God is the God of tomorrow, just like he's the God of today. His mercies are new every morning, we read in Lamentations chapter 3. Today is big enough on its own without trying to add yesterday and tomorrow to it. When we say the Lord's Prayer, we pray, give us this day our daily bread. In other words, what we need to get through today and then tomorrow is going to be another day but there is a a positive in verse 33 after all the don't don't don'ts of not worrying verse 33 he says but this is what you're to do replace your don't 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 with your do 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 (laughs) it's nearly like a police song actually it goes back to the 80s but I'll, I'll let you ask Chris one about that one or Rich here he knows that one Maybe even invite Rich to sing it to you over coffee at the cafe as you munch on your birthday cake. Where was it? Verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. That's the positive, isn't it? Added unto us. What's going to be added? The food, the drink, the clothing, the bits and pieces. And you can write in your own bits that we tend to get all hung up about. And all worried about. And all stewed up about. And knotted on the inside about. And Jesus is saying, hang on, that is secondary. That's going to be okay. He's got us this far, hasn't he? It's therefore going to be okay tomorrow, isn't it? And if it isn't because you've died overnight, well, that's going to be okay. Because if you trusted him, you're going to go to glory anyway. 
And what was that verse that we said? For me to live is Christ and to die is? Got it. Yes. Isn't that a win-win situation? Oh, but I got no marmite. (laughs) Sometimes that seeking first his righteousness can be second or third or fourth or fifth because of the other things that we're more worried about, can't it? Can't it? Yeah. Okay. There's the positive. We're not to be people to live in fear. That's not a good place. We read in uh, Genesis chapter 12. We get there a picture of trusting God being there to provide, uh, to provide, eliminates that need for worrying. In Genesis chapter 12, God tells Abraham, leave your country, leave your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. Don't even tell him where. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. How do you have responded? I don't think I would have reacted as Abraham did. Okay, got that. No idea where I'm going, but off we go. Leave your country. Leave your people. Abraham could have said, but Lord, how can I leave my country when I don't know where I'm going? How am I going to make it financially? Like the author of the song we sung, Seek First the Kingdom of God. How am I going to be able to support my family? What if the people in the land of Canaan are hostile towards me? What if? What if? What if? Worry, worry, anxiety, stress, help, help, help. He doesn't do that. Abraham could have worried himself right out of the will of God. But the Bible tells us in Genesis 15 verse 6 that Abraham believed the Lord and it was credited to his account as unto righteousness. And as a result, God blessed him and made him the father of many nations. Trusting God to provide eliminates the need for worrying. Worry refuses to trust God. Whether or not there's greater sins or not, I'll let you debate over uh, coffee. But I wonder if there's any greater wrongdoing than distrusting God's promised love for his own. So let's seek first his kingdom. Don't cripple the present by worrying about the future. When Paul wrote to the church at Colossae, He said these words, set your affections on things in heaven and not on the things of the earth. Set your affections above for your life is hid with Christ in God. Get your priorities right. Pour yourself into the kingdom. Pursue righteousness and then you will enjoy all of this. It's almost as if Paul has been kind of like reading the daily bread or word for today of the day of Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 6, isn't it? And he's passing that good news onto the church of the day. And to the church at Philippi, and with this we'll, we'll close. Do not be anxious about anything. Anything. But in everything, by prayer 
and petition and with thanksgiving present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We tend to often want to be the people that have the experience first so that we will then do what God has said that we're to do in the first place and trust him with the outcome. We do it the other way around, don't we? That is never God's way. He says, this is my word. Trust me. Trust me. Step out. Trust me. And then all the other stuff will be added. What are you anxious about? Getting sunburnt? It's been very hot today. Maybe that ailment that you've got physically as the years go by, never getting better. About there never being a resolve of a particular family relationship. Of someone that you know you need to put something right with from 50 years ago. And you know where they live, but you've not done it. Maybe your job. Maybe some form of addiction. What are you worried about? Your death? Another's death? Oh, we could write a list. Maybe in certain Christian circles, the speaker would now go round with a microphone and say, I want each and every one of you to name your biggest worry. And then we're going to confess a lot to God. We're not going to do that. But what I am going to do gently and lovingly is to invite you to be real with him. And in the quietness and stillness of your own heart, to give that anxiety to him or those anxieties, whatever they are. Just say, God, here they are. I'm desperately eager to trust you. But I've held on to this thus far. Help me to let go. And I need your help with that. Jesus has made it possible for us to live without anxiety. If he hasn't, he has no right to say to us, do not worry. That's just cruel, isn't it? That is just cruel. To say to somebody, do not worry when he knows that we will always have that within us. That's something we're always going to do. No, it isn't. It's alien to walking in the path and will of God. So we have the capacity. We have that potential. So let's confess what needs to be dealt with. And let's ask afresh for that spirit's help and enabling and infilling. To help us be set free from the crippling anxiety that could so weigh us down. Let's pause as we pray together. And if you're watching this online, just pause where you are before you go and put the kettle on. Before you deal with the kids, before anything else. And just go with that prompting of what you have at the forefront of your mind of your biggest anxiety. Right now, give that to God. Let's pray.
God spoke through the psalmist and said, Be still and know that I am God. Maybe he would say to you this evening, I know what you're worried about. I know what creates that anxiety within you. Give it to me. Let it go. Let me deal with it. My grace is sufficient for you. God, we pray that you'd help us to respond to your word and live as you'd have us live as we seek to follow our Lord Jesus. And it's in his name that we ask these things. Amen.